Product Thinking. I'm Kyle Evans, and this week we're talking about the art of exploration, taking an idea from abstract to concrete. So Ender's Game is one of my favorite science fiction books, and the whole Enderverse series is a favorite of mine as well. Many of you are probably familiar with Ender's Game. It was published in 1985 and is a perennial classic of science fiction literature. But you may not have realized that the book was originally only a short story that was published in the science fiction magazine, Analog, in 1975. The story was incredibly well-received, earning awards both as a story and for its author, Orson Scott Card. This led the way for Card to expand the short story into a fully-fledged book, and eventually into an entire series that explores not only Earth invasions, but human responses to aliens, interstellar travel, and immortality, which, of course, makes for a very, very exciting and interesting series. Uh, But this path isn't unique to Ender's Game. Many books start as simple ideas, whether a short story, which was especially common, um, you know, not that long ago, but before we had the internet to publish short stories on, but also things like blog posts or tweets. These simple versions allow authors or writers to test out ideas and see what will work before committing to an entire novel. They help explore ideas and eventually serve as a prototype for longer works. Of course, this isn't unique to writing a book either. All of us are taking ideas from abstract to real. But how do we do it? What are the steps and what should we be thinking about? And how do we get these ideas from the abstract to the concrete? Let's explore some of that. So first off, idea exploration. There are many definitions of idea generation and exploration. But for our purposes, the best definition I've been able to come up with based on the various definitions I've encountered along with my own experience is basically this, the creative process of taking ideas from abstract concepts to concrete reality. And exploration includes a couple different facets. It includes generating ideas, prioritizing and developing them, and then communicating and refining those ideas. So three broad buckets or three broad areas to think about. Generating ideas, prioritizing and developing them, and then communicating and refining them. Exploration is a key part of the product and design process. Those familiar with design thinking know that, broadly speaking, exploration, which includes ideation and prototyping, is the second big step or big area in the design thinking process. We first off understand the problem, then we generate and explore ideas to solve the problem, and then we implement those ideas. So those are kind of the three big buckets or three areas within that cycle. I've seen a variety of models and diagrams for this. If you search the internet, you'll probably see a variety as well. But I tend to mentally go back to this idea and to a sticky note that I have on my computer that I created a long time ago. And my daughter very helpfully added a sticker into the middle, a sticker of Ariel from The Little Mermaid. So now that is what 
the entire design process revolves around. And you can, of course, see my sticky note in the newsletter, which you can find at productthinking.cc. So we go from understanding to exploring to implementing. And then there are things within each of those areas, such as empathizing and defining, then ideating and prototyping and testing and iterating as as one model or framework for thinking about this. So in many design thinking diagrams, the exploration process is described as ideation and then prototyping. Unfortunately, I think that that's missing a key step or overlooking a key part of the process. We need to generate lots of ideas and then narrow those ideas down before we can communicate them as a prototype. So I wrote about in a previous post, we start with divergent thinking and then move to convergent thinking. And you can helpfully find that post, divergent and convergent thinking, linked in the newsletter, which you can find in the show notes as well. But this idea of first generating lots of ideas, diverging as far as what the possibilities are, and not being so concerned about converging on a single right solution initially. Uh, That's the generation process. And then convergent thinking, bringing all of those things, you know, once we've taken the opportunity to do that back together and converging eventually. So let's dive into each of those steps a little bit more. First off, generating ideas. We begin the ideation process, this exploration process by generating ideas. Once we've understood and defined a need or problem, we need to generate ideas to address that problem. The purpose of generating ideas is to generate lots of ideas. It's a lot like writing a book. The purpose here is to get words and ideas out. As I discussed in the uh, post, uh, the newsletter that I referenced earlier, this phase is also thought of as divergent thinking. We want to think broadly about the problem. We want to introduce new ways to solve it. We want to challenge our own assumptions and our preconceived notions in order to get the best solution. As we generate ideas, we don't want to prematurely constrain ourselves, our teams, or our creativity. We need all ideas, even the dumb ones, or the ones that couldn't possibly quote-unquote work, because maybe those ideas turn out to not be so dumb or, or not be so unworkable, or maybe they spur other ideas. Some tools that we can use for generating ideas for divergent thinking include some of the following. Brainstorming. Brainstorming is an unstructured way of generating lots of ideas in a group. It's often a go-to solution for many teams because it's seemingly easy to do, and most of us are probably familiar with brainstorming. Though this can be a double-edged sword because brainstorming is so unstructured, it can often be dominated by certain individuals or ways of thinking if we're not careful. So it seems simple, but there are da- there are drawbacks to, to brainstorming. Uh, sticky noting, as I like to call it, it's a lot like brainstorming. Uh, sticky noting involves a team or group generating ideas for a specific problem, but it, it solves for some of the problems of brainstorming by asking each individual to write their ideas first in a time box session and then put those ideas up on the wall whether that's a physical or digital wall, and then tell others about them. 
This allows everyone in the group time to think and also time to voice their ideas without the rest of the group swaying their opinion initially. There's also mind mapping. Uh, mind mapping can be a natural outcome of brainstorming and especially sticky noting because once you've generated the ideas and written them down, you can begin to group them together. From there, you can generate more ideas based on the themes that you've generated or the direction you've taken with your initial idea generation. There's also the magic wand, uh, which is one of my favorites. If you could remove all constraints, what would you do to solve your problem? That is the idea behind the magic wand, and it's a great tool to think creatively about your problem and break out of the boxes that may be holding you back. The dumbest idea. How would you solve your problem in the dumbest way possible? You're probably focused on the best solutions, but what if you turn that thinking on its head and try to think of the worst solutions? How would you solve it then? Once you remove the constraints of looking smart, you may be surprised what ideas you can come up with without the fear of looking dumb, because that's ultimately the point. And what would XYZ do? Uh, fill in the blank for XYZ, but you can ask yourself, how would XYZ solve this problem? You know, what would Apple do? What would Oprah do? What would NASA do? Each company or group would approach it potentially in a different way, and each approach would be unique. Use those ideas to add to your list. And once you've created an extensive list of ideas, then you can move on to the next phase. And of course, this is the generative phase, the divergent thinking, where we're trying to create many ideas. And next, we move on to prioritizing and developing. The first part of the exploration is generating the ideas. We want to generate as many ideas as possible. In our second phase, we need to prioritize and develop our ideas. We need to converge on some of the ideas and begin to test them out. This will mean cutting out some ideas that we generated and prioritizing our best ideas. If generating ideas is like writing a book, prioritizing and developing those ideas is like editing the book. We need to take everything we created and edit it for content, clarity, quality, length. So how do we prioritize and develop? There's no shortage of prioritization models to choose from. I wrote about a number of frameworks for prioritization in another post as well called strategic prioritization, which of course you can find at productthinking.cc. So we need to understand the strategic context for prioritization and then apply the right model to our ideas. I also include a few prioritization strategies and methods in this week's newsletter. I won't cover all of them here. If you want to read more about them, go to productthinking.cc and check out this week's newsletter. But one is buy or vote on an idea. It's a helpful game or exercise where you can either give everyone a certain dollar amount or the way that we tend to prefer and I tend to prefer to, to do this is a certain number of sticky dots and allow them to spend those dots on an idea. It's not an end-all solution, but it will give you insight into where people are seeing the most value and willing to spend their, their money or vote their dots. It's incredibly quick and effective in understanding where the right ideas may be, especially if you've put all of those ideas, group them together into categories or themes based on the sticky notes or the brainstorming sessions that you've done. So that's one exercise. There's a number of others that I also go through, but of course you can check that out 
in the newsletter. Finally, communicating and refining ideas. In the the book, The Laws of Creativity, Joey Cafone identifies ideation as a key part of the creative process. In the chapter discussing the law of ideation, he says, quote, for an idea to develop, it has to be able to evolve and be communicated. You must take it out of your head and make it real in a way that's suited to your skills and the project at hand. I think that's really great. So in order for us to truly understand an idea, we need to make it real through communication. Depending on the type of idea, this can take a variety of forms, but should always be intentionally simple in order to allow for testing and iteration as necessary. So how can we communicate our ideas and make them real? First off, written drafts. Writing is one of my favorite forms of communication. It forces us to think deeply about our ideas and then communicate them in a way that people will understand. And many of our ideas can take initial form through writing. A feature or product can start out as a future press release, as is common at Amazon and other companies that have adopted the practice. And I wrote about that in a previous post where uh, we talk about it in the book Working Backwards. And you can also find that in a podcast episode, Working Backwards from working backwards in May of 2021. So definitely check that episode out as well. By writing out a future press release or even an outline of an idea, it allows others to understand our thinking and comment and clarify and refine our idea further. And this isn't possible with other forms of communication like a presentation, for example. So we can also use drawings or sketches. I mentioned in my post last week and in last week's uh, podcast, and you can check that out, of course, that Creating some sketches of ideas for designs for upcoming work that we were doing was something that I was working on. And I intentionally made my designs low fidelity, hand-drawn, so everyone could see that they were works in progress. And we wouldn't get too caught up in the details, but could really identify the things that we were solving for. And drawing and sketching our ideas is a beautiful way of bringing ideas to life once we've prioritized the right ideas. Thankfully, you don't have to create great drawings for this to work. In fact, I'm always one of the first to sketch out poor drawings on a whiteboard or on my iPad just to visualize what we're talking about. And these initial sketches can be very simple. And initial designs can also be very simple to ensure that we're solving the right problems before we invest the time and the emotion into more beautiful designs. Finally, prototypes or POCs. A prototype or a proof of concept, which is a POC, may be one of the most recognized and best ways to communicate an idea. For software products, this is an excellent way to bring an idea from concept to reality. It doesn't need to be polished or finalized, but can and should be intentionally simple to test out the idea and whether or not those ideas solve the problems and address the needs. Some of the best proofs of concept are the kinds that are created over a weekend or in a day or two just to test out an idea. And I'm definitely not advocating working on the weekend, but it, it is often the excitement of an idea that drives that sort of thing. And once we create a prototype that works, we can test out the core of our hypotheses around whether the idea solves the problem and if it will work for the business and the users. And there's something we can actually build to scale. For products, as well, our roadmaps also fall into this category. Our roadmaps may be written documents, they may be more, more visual, but they are always prototypes 
of our product and our product strategy in development. We get to test our direction through our roadmap and whether we're moving correctly or need to adjust. Fortunately, that is the point of a roadmap. It allows us to communicate and refine our product strategy with our stakeholders and our customers and others as we learn. So exploring ideas is a key part of the design and product development process. To create the best experiences, we need to identify the right problems and then generate many ideas to address and solve them. These ideas should be wide-ranging, pushing the boundaries of our assumptions and what we think can work. Once we do that, we can begin to narrow our ideas, prioritizing the best ones, developing them further, and eventually we can communicate our ideas in the form of writing, drawing, or prototypes. Bringing ideas from abstract concepts to reality is a critical part of product and design thinking. The better we understand how to do it, the better we can create the best experience for our users. So that is it for this week and our discussion of the art of exploration and taking ideas from abstract to concrete. If you like this episode, be sure to follow us wherever you get your podcasts. Check out productthinking.cc where you can subscribe to the weekly newsletter, the free or the paid version. I highly recommend the paid version uh, where you will get a few bonus newsletters each month. And you can also just support this podcast and the newsletter and all the work we're doing to bring you all of this. And you can follow us on social media at Product Thinking, just one T in the middle for that one. And follow me at Kyle Larry Evans. And until next time, keep questioning all your assumptions. 